0: Hey everybody, it is Trags Mike Petralia back with another episode of the Jungle War podcast and it is my sincere pleasure to welcome in one of the Bengal legends, certainly along the offensive line that would be the one and only Dave Lapham. He of course uh, is the color analyst and has been a remarkable 38th year Uh, for coming into uh, 2023. Since 1986, LAP, you have been voice of the Bengals, and of course, you are host of In the Trenches with Dave Lapham, brought to you by First Star Logistics. That is uh, your tremendous podcast. Anything and everything relating to the offensive line and the Cincinnati Bengals you cover. Welcome in.
1: Thanks, Trags. Appreciate it very much. Uh, You're uh, you're as good as there is in the business of catching up. (laughs)
0: I appreciate that. Uh, high praise uh, from you indeed. want to get your impressions, Lapp. Uh, This offensive line has really been transformed, I think. I think you would agree with that in the last two years. And for good reason. You have a franchise quarterback. You have a quarterback who is certainly capable of getting you to multiple Super Bowls, winning multiple Super Bowls. I think uh, certainly uh, Duke Tobin, the director of personnel, Katie Blackburn, Troy Blackburn, even Mike, Mike Brown, should all be commended for acknowledging that area of weakness going into maybe 2021 and really shoring it up.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, Treggs. I think uh, Joe Burrow said it, it's the best offensive line that, that he's worked with, and, and I have to agree with that. And when you look at it, uh, the way the Bengals constructed this offensive line was veteran free agency, I mean, for the most part that's right. that's that's the biggest uh the biggest number of starters came from other teams um, now Cordell Volson obviously is is the anomaly there fourth round pick and I'll tell you what Treggs, looking at this guy yep. 325 pounds he's got the lowest body fat of any offensive lineman on the team so it's a really good 325 pounds nobody's going to be running through the guy uh he's he's Every way he can be big, broad, long. Um, you know, he's got tremendous anchor ability. Orlando Brown's a massive man. Cordell Volson is as big as there is in the interior.
0: That left side of um, the offensive line is going to block out the sun on some days.
1: i tell you, total eclipse, <laughs> not partial, total. Sure. I mean, it is uh, it's it's amazing. But you know, Orlando Brown picking him up uh, as quickly as they did when he came available from the Kansas City Chiefs and constructing a deal there and uh, you know, it, it, Ted Karras was it was a great acquisition in free agency. Alex Cap, I mean, they've, they've they've done a phenomenal job uh, of of going out and addressing needs in, in free agency to to put together an offensive line for Frank Pollock to work with. And I, I got to give the offensive lineman credit because if you've been at a, at a team for a few years, you're used to certain techniques, language, all those kind of things. It can be difficult uh, to Come to another franchise, unlearn old techniques, relearn new ones. You were speaking French, now you got to speak German. You have to learn that whole new language, and those can be challenges. But uh, they've they've done it and put it together pretty darn well.
0: You know, I was talking to Teddy Karras, as I am wont to do, as he of course played sure. in new England, <laughs> and I was talking to him on Monday after practice, and we had exactly that conversation because. Being around Dante Scarnecchia as he was, as a player, as I was, as a media member, you really appreciate the details. But it was interesting to me because he said Dante was more about very intricate details, where I think Frank is more uh, macroscopic. You know, he has a bigger picture. Um, I think, you know, with the Patriots, they were more of a straightforward uh, move it up the field directly from the line of attack, whereas with Frank, it's obviously, you know, wide zone has been, uh, you know, talked about quite a bit since he came back to the Bengals. I'd like to get your impression on, you know, making that transition, not only from a different language, but a different style, different technique, and what it took for somebody like Ted Karras to adjust.
1: Yeah, I mean, Ted Karras is a very, very intelligent man <laughs> and, and uh, you know, very gifted uh, in, in, in a lot of ways from a physical standpoint as well um But there is there's time on task. You know that's that's the biggest thing that an offensive lineman has to have. And and you look at it now when when everybody is doing all kinds of different drills, the offensive linemen are over in their corner of the end zone doing the exact same footwork, hand placement drills for double teams, rubbing climbing to the next level, all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 you do have to have to be able to be versatile. I think to have success in the National Football League, and that that not only position versatility, but your ability to absorb schematics, you know, that are that are a little bit different. And, and I thought last year, Frank made a big change in the run game. He went to the gap scheme. I mean, yeah. about a little over halfway through the season, he went from that, you know, stretch inside-outside zone stuff to a gap scheme where instead of, like, you know, doing the uh, moving area blocks, you know, double-teaming and that sort of thing, if a guy crosses your face, you're up the field, the other guy – Consumes them, takes them over, and all that. To just locking down and pulling people, you know, angle block, seal and pull. Uh, uh, so, was that you know, to get
0: the Joe Mixon going? Was that? Do, do you think it? appeared, you know, boiled down to its simplest form, was that to kickstart Joe Mixon?
1: Yeah, I think I think to give Joe a different view of things, um, and and I think Frank felt like his offensive line that fit their skill set as well. It wasn't like sacrificing something they couldn't do, mm-hmm. um, to, to make sure that Joe felt more comfortable. I think he felt like his guys had the versatility, uh, athletically, you know, to, to be able to, to get that done. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's interesting to, uh, I, I, you know, offensive line coaches they, I, with Jim McNally, when you put on end zone tape, it looked like a bunch of June Taylor dancers. It was all choreographed same step, same hand placement. I mean, exactly the same. Now, the thing that you have to realize is everybody's body type's not the same. Everybody doesn't have the same type of movement, fluid movement or whatever. So you do have to allow for, okay, this guy can't quite do it uh, exactly the same as this guy. It's not cookie cutter. I mean, everybody has long torso, not the same torso. Some are long, some are short, long legs, short legs. So it's different, different things. But Overall, big picture, you're doing the same thing. Whatever your body allows you to do within that concept, you know, you're going to get done and and guys adjust accordingly. And the great offensive line coaches let guys incorporate their technique into their body type and out of that comes success.
0: Zach Taylor asked about this again after practice on Monday, and it's been one of the focal points coming into training camp, right tackle. It's going to be Jonah Williams or Jackson Carmen. We, we presume at this point, it's going to be Jonah. He's going to make that transition from uh, the left side, obviously over to the right. And L. Collins is not in the picture. Obviously he's going to start on pup and is starting on pup. Why we all know that for a right-handed quarterback, the blind side is the left side. That's why the left tackle is so important. What are the biggest responsibilities of a right tackle? You played right guard, obviously.
1: Yeah, played uh, played right guard, but I did play some right tackle, tackle. some center, some left guard, and left tackle. Did, did experience all five of those position groups and actually did them in the same game a couple of different times. Did you well. really? Oh, yeah. Played all five spots in the same game, two different games in the NFL, yeah. Up and down the line of scrimmage. Took a series at each spot. And then go back again and do the same thing it was crazy wow. it, was, it was fun though. i did
0: not know that about you lap
1: yeah. yeah i thought i'm not sure many people have done it i'm not i don't know if that's an nfl record or not but i i'm not sure if many people have done that but um that, that was toward the later sta- latter stages of the career like you said um played a lot of snaps in the beginning of the career at the, at the right tackle spot And and it's changed because it used to be you know the, the the sleek pass rusher with all the moves and everything was a right defensive end because, like you say, Tregs, the quarterbacks most were right-handed. You wanted to go blindside, and the right, the left defensive end over the right tackle was a bigger guy, run stuffer. You know, not the, that he was a stiff in terms of a pass rusher, but most more teams were right-handed in their running game. And you wanted to protect the quarterback's blind side with that left tackle. So you might have had a smaller, maybe more athletic left tackle and a bigger, stronger body type right tackle. That's out now. That's by the boards because hmm. the National Football League is just throw it and they have pass rushes everywhere. They have pass rushes uh, kicked down inside over the guards in today's NFL. There would have been right defensive ends back in the NFL in the 60s and 70s. So it, it's changed so much. Um, but, you know, like you said, Lines, it's it's just hard. You just don't see that backside uh, rush as much as you can see from the from the front side. But um, you you do have to have you, you you can't be oh this guy's a predominantly a, a run blocker you know earth mover kind of guy at right tackle and he's okay in pass protection. Right, you still have to pass block because I mean look at the AFC. 16 teams in the AFC uh, projected starting quarterbacks, barring injury or other foreseen things. 15 of the 16 teams' first-round draft picks at quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo's a second-round pick. He's the only one. It's not a Mm. first-round pick. So the league has gone to throwing the football and spreading the field and doing all those kind of things. Um, So you you do have to have guys that are capable of doing both. But I do think still the bigger, stronger guy might be at the right tackle position because when teams do run the ball, for whatever reason, they are more right-handed running the football.
0: So what have you seen early on? And and as we record this, this is Tuesday. This will be the first, believe it or not, August 1st will be the first day of full pads. I, I'm sure it blows your mind. Back in the day, you were 4th of July, you were reporting and you had two days and you had the pads on right away. Obviously, it's a different world in the NFL, but first day of pads, August 1st, it's our first chance to really, and the coach's first chance to evaluate the run game what have you seen from the two right tackle combatants in Jonah Williams? I'm sorry. Yeah. And Jonah Williams and Jackson Carmen.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, Jackson's obviously the bigger bodied guy. You know, Jonah, Jonah doesn't have the size. You know, uh, Jackson's probably better in a phone booth than Jonah is. Uh, but Jonah might, might, you know, in terms of kick slide and movement and all that, might, might have a, a bit of an edge there. I mean, it, it's going to be an interesting battle. Um and you know, I, I do think that watching what they've done to date, even though they're no shoulder pads on, they've got it figured out. I think the Bengals are one of the better teams in the NFL in getting work done uh at a at a very good pace. Right. And um uh, really still making sure that you're not gonna injure a teammate. They're 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 getting it done pretty significantly in terms of tempo in pace of practice so um the the pads they'll they'll be able to finish that off in terms of you know they they've worked on getting the pads low make sure you you know you, you get your back arched you climb you do all these things finish now they're going to fit finalize it with the, with the uh shoulder pads the only thing that won't be able to do is t- you know defense won't be taking people around tackling people but you'll see if okay was he would he really have finished that block now with shoulder pads on did he or didn't he it's not there's no right. doubt there's no question anymore it's like ah yeah he had a good fit did he finish with that good fit what happened after that and defensively same thing you know you're going to are you going to stay blocked you're going to separate you're going to make a play and so uh, it takes it to a to another level but pad level you know making sure your your pad level's low your hips are are you know you 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 got your hips flexed and all those kind of things they've been doing that for for a few, you know, a few days that they're allowed to do it now. But you're right. I mean, I remember my second training camp, Tregs, was nine weeks long because they had a Hall of Fame game. We had seven preseason games.
0: Yes. Nine
1: weeks. We reported like July seventh or July eighth. That think. was
0: Washington. I believe you played Washington, right? Absolutely. In the Hall of Fame. I do remember that game. Yep. Yes.
1: Yep. George Allen had the over the hill gang, and yes. Yep. Uh, playing against Bill Brundage and, and those guys uh, with the Washington Redskins, they had. I mean, those guys. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, you know, like 24 year old kid, just turned 24. And these guys look like they could be my dad. You know, I'm like, look at these guys, man. They've been around a while. <laughs> so a you bring
0: that, you bring, you bring that up, lap, and and Teddy Karras was asked this after practice, um, on Monday, about getting into it with a teammate, and we saw that the very first day, Orlando Brown and Trey Hendrickson, and Trey got claw mark on his neck, but uh, no worse uh, for wear. Uh, but ha- do you have any stories of getting into a battle with a teammate in the trenches and it escalated to a brawl?
1: Uh, never escalated to a brawl, but I mean, it,
0: it, um,
1: you know, it, it, it it'll it get heated. There's no question. I mean, it's a, it, it, it's a physical game. Mono or mono. Mono or mono. Hot, humid, you're tired you're pissed off you don't you don't necessarily want to be out there at that stage or practice anymore it's like when's this thing going to be over um but to to happen that early in not even a fully padded practice I thought was interesting <laughs> Yes. so there, were, there was talk going on right away I mean there's uh it's, it's it's there are there are guys that are known for their trash talk and there's no question about it and they're going to trash talk no matter uh what the circumstances are so sometimes that stuff can uh, can get pretty heated pretty quickly. You got you do have to make sure though that you are, you don't do anything that you're going to regret. I remember Jimmy LeClaire tried to uh, punch out Bruce Costlet in a training camp brawl, and Jimmy LeClaire shattered his hand, broke his hand, had wow. to play in a cast the whole season. Wow, um, you know, and it's like man, now you're now you're playing with a claw that is limiting your ability to grip and right. you know do things, and all because you know you lost your head. In a training camp fight, you know, you got to you got to be smart about it.
0: Yes, you do. Um, your biggest uh, impressions of Orlando Brown uh, at this point of training camp, and and is he going to be the guy to finally uh, stabilize the left side of the offensive line?
1: I, I'm in, I'm impressed with, like you said, biggest impression how big he is. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the dude is a man mountain. There's no doubt, and uh, you know, and he's able to to move. He's able to position himself. He has a very acute understanding of football geometry. He takes good angles. He, uh, he takes angles that are good for his body type, his length, his size. He is a football, um, you know, a lot of guys, high football IQ. He is a high football IQ offensive lineman in terms of offensive line play and overall football. I mean, I, I think the guy is very, very talented. I think he's uh, special in terms of leadership. I think um, you know. It seems like he's been around a while already. He's only been here here a little while. He's he struck up good friendships, uh, meaningful relationships. I mean, all the abilities that you want to have accountability, reliability, responsibility. All of those abilities he has, you know. And I think when you have a guy that made the last four Pro Bowls, two at left tackle, two at right tackle, I think you've got something to work with there. There's no question about it. I think he could be a bell cow.
0: Alex Kappa. Thoughts.
1: Alex Kappa is, uh, you know, I, I, I thought like right away he was given the Bengals close to Pro Bowl type snaps. You know, I, I think he's really a very, very sound football player. Alex Kappa tries to finish everything, as does Ted Karras I, I, and, and Volson. It, it's contagious that way. I, I do think the interior guys really do a good job of trying to finish everything. Um, and Orlando is is somebody that brings that to the table as well. He'll, he, these guys, they don't want to just block you. They want to finish you. They want to embarrass you if they possibly can, you know, and, and I think that that's, uh, that's something that is going to hold this offensive line in good stead.
0: From a layperson, which I clearly am, my impression last year when they made that transition we talked about a couple of minutes ago uh, from the wide zone run to the gap – Yep. was to take advantage of what I viewed as the strength of that offensive line midway through the season. That was uh, between the guards, guard, center, guard. You get that same impression that they wanted to run more up the middle where they were getting more push?
1: I, I think I think that was a factor, and I also think when you're doing the gap scheme, pin and pull, it defines running lanes. Sometimes the wide zone, it's like it doesn't – the, the running lane doesn't appear that oh man, it's like an amoeba you know it's like it it's moves. it's gonna it's going to take a little while and right. you know uh, what what kind of a field do you have for the cutback, and you don't want to stop and cut back so i think I think that part of it was like when you said uh, to help Joe, I think the declaration of the running lanes, I think, can be a lot faster when you're pinning and pulling in that in that gap scheme
0: all right the other joe joe burrow uh we saw him in the locker room on monday and i thought that was a good sign because he was up walking around he had a sleeve on the right calf uh but no crutches uh he appeared to be moving around normally obviously he's not we don't see him jogging or doing anything athletic i'm not going to go there yet
1: right right
0: but he was in the locker room and it's the first time anybody had seen him, at least in public, we had seen him. The players, his teammates have, and the coaches have, but we had not seen him. When you can look back on that play, when he when he steps up in the pocket and then he scrambles, it looked like, I think Zach alluded to this, it was off script in, in training camp. Are quarterbacks encouraged, discouraged to do that kind of stuff?
1: Well, you know, it, it's it's like you see other quarterbacks doing it around the league. You see... Uh, Starters, non-starters. You know, part of part of football is creating and extending plays. And what does the defense do in those situations when it's the scripted play? You you handled it, but then when the creation and extension happens, what do you do on that second play? Um, It's interesting, though. uh, I, I I would imagine that Joe came out with that sleeve on, so it was tight after the first day. And I bet they said to him. Stay in the pocket, right? You know, don't, don't run around, you know, minimize that because if you got a little tightness, a little soreness, you know, well, you get in a situation, you're a competitor, Instant. competitive environment up, you go and out, you go out of the pocket. And, uh, yeah, I watching that my first thought was is that and Achilles yep. has the weight and, and, and then when he grabbed the weight where he grabbed, I thought, eh, it's a little high for an Achilles, although the Achilles can, you know, kind of sure. it, if it is a problem, it can get up into your calf. Uh, and then I saw him pulling at his toes. So I thought, oh, I see cramped up there. And he might've felt like a cramp initially to him. You know, when it, when it hits like that, it like pulls and tugs. So he's probably trying to stretch it out. And then it's like, yep. Realize I have a little bit of a, more of a problem than a calf. It's a, it's a strain. And those things, that's the thing. I don't know where the locate there, there are, Three muscles, a couple of small ones, and a big one. There's first, second, third degree. This is a lower degree. Um, and where's the location of it? Is it down closer, you know, to the base of his calf? Is it mid, or is it up high, closer to the knee? If it's a, a mild mid calf, I think that would be the best uh, situation. That seems to be maybe what what's going on with them. And uh, but man, you got to be careful. They can linger. I yep. mean, I've I had a mild strain one time and going through it it's like you would move on you know we weren't doing hitting sleds and that sort of thing you hit it and you start moving just right oh there's a tug there's a yank there and it's like man when is that going to go away so i mean i in, in today's football i think everybody's of the same mindset once it starts feeling better give it another week so i, I what how many weeks is it going to be i don't know i'm thinking maybe three on the short end, as many as six, if it continues to linger. I I hope it's not that long. I'm hoping it's, I don't know, maybe two on the short end, four on the long end, but it could be three on the short end, six on the long end. You just don't know. Cavs are tricky and delicate, man.
0: Speaking with Dave Lapham, he is the host of In the Trenches with Dave Lapham, brought to you by First Star Logistics. Uh, Lap, there's one concern I have with the improvement of the offensive line. And that, and I could be completely off base. So that's why you're here. Correct me if I'm off base. Joe Burrow might have an increased sense of time in the pocket, meaning he thinks he has more time. So he's going to take more time because he thinks the pocket in front of him, the offensive line in front of him is better. Does something like that go through your mind that, hey, we've got to, you know, better offensive line, but that doesn't mean take more time to release the ball.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think that, uh, that I understand exactly what you're saying. And, and, and the human tendency might be in that direction, but the best thing to do at all levels of football, in my opinion, particularly at the NFL level is, as soon as you make a read that, you know, is, is proper, get it out, get it out. Don't wait and say. I like this, but boy, will that be better down here? Let me wait for that to develop. Take it. I mean, if you see it and, it, and it's, you, you declare, it's like, man, this is it. This, the, here's. I'm going through my progression. One wasn't there. Two is, boom. One, two, oh, what's three look like? No, boom, hit that two if you like it. Now, the, where you're going to uh, have hopefully more success is the defenses are pretty darn good too, and Anarumo and others around the league, I mean, they'll take away all your first three progressions. And then like we talked about, um, can you make a secondary move that you and the quarterback have worked on, uh, and, and still maintain a pocket presence because protection is held up and throw the football. That's great. But if you have to get out of pocket to create and extend by time and let that happen down the football field, then you're potentially exposed to more damage. So that that's where the increased ability to protect and, and we're talking tenths of a second tricks you know as well as anybody yep. I mean yep. it's all like boom it's you're not you're not holding on to it I mean a second is like you know, well we're talking tenths of a second so it's it's um sometimes the improvement is very rarely you see a quarterback patting a ball bouncing around like Tom Brady did for you yep. know a few years when the Patriots were so good with Dante like you talk about that that's that is a a dream that's a Someone-
0: Someone once told me up there that Tom did it, I think, in reverse, but I could be wrong about this. He would look downfield first mm-hmm. for his longest read, then come back to an intermediate, then come back to his check down. A lot of quarterbacks don't do that. Uh, is, that is that true?
1: Yeah, well, the thing. let's think about it. Okay, the deep reads, the deeper routes take a little longer. So if you're looking deep first, they're not there necessarily yet, but he's so gifted. This is going to develop. The way This is unfolding. Right. I'm going to have that. So w- w- instead of maybe looking at the, at the, at the, he's looking at coverages and it, based on coverages, he knows what the route tree and concepts are. And he's like, that deep ball can be there right away. You know, I, and I, and I think sometimes it changes almost on a, on a down and distance basis on a on a what you anticipate the coverage is going to be basis. I mean, these quarterbacks, yeah, they don't they don't necessarily always go one, two, three, you know, three, two, one or whatever. They 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 know what they're looking at. And they know based on the early pre-snap read and then the first thing that happens post snap, yep, that confirmed what I saw pre-snap. And this is going to be available to me and that's where I'm going. Um so he's he's as good as anybody's ever been in that regard, there's no doubt
0: wrap up with this question lap best bengal roster you've ever seen this year
1: i'll tell you you know i mean it's hard to argue with uh teams that have gone to the super bowl right um gone three times haven't haven't won but
0: on paper
1: yeah on paper i mean all i can say is it's as good it it won't take long to call roll and and i do know on those, on those teams and on the good teams that I played on. When you make the team, it's a hell of an accomplishment just to make it. And now, now they have practice squads and all that. But if you make the, the, the roster, the game day roster, that's the 53 man's one thing. Then the game day roster's another. I mean, those are accomplishments, man, that you got to feel good about because this football team is well put together. You watch how many guys that the Bengals, you know, let go on that. There's only one cut, Treggs, which is unbelievable now. One yeah. one massive cut of 30-some-odd guys, you know, to 32 teams. It's going to be crazy. I bet there's going to be a lot of Bengals that end up on, you know, Bengal roster players are going to end up on other teams around the league, and that, that'll be a good indicator.
0: Well, he is Dave Lapham. He has, for 38 years, done a phenomenal job, a uniquely gifted job with Dan Hoard, calling uh, Cincinnati Bengal games on the Bengals radio network. He is, of course, the host, and we'll say it again, In the Trenches podcast with Dave Lapham, brought to you by First Star Logistics. Lap, I'm looking forward to this season. I'm looking forward to your calls of this season. I think it's going to be a memorable one if everybody stays healthy. That's always um, the caveat with every NFL team, every NFL championship caliber team. you got to stay healthy. But if they are healthy, I think this is a special team.
1: I agree with you, Treggs. I mean, it's like you can't lose a key player for a long period of time. You know, that, that that's the biggest variable. The health issue is is the biggest variable, but uh, it's going to be fun. But I'm telling you, the AFC, there's a lot of good teams. There's going to be two or three good teams that won't make the playoffs. There's going to be a lot of battles, man. going to be a lot of close games, Treggs.
0: Yes, there will be, and I'm looking forward to covering it. I'm looking forward to your calls, Lap. Thank you for joining me. He's Dave Lapham. I'm Mike Petralia Trags. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Jungle War Podcast.